What's up? And welcome back to Nostalgia Pod, your weekly look at what's going on in pop culture. My name is Pat Sheehan. I am here with my co-host, Dave Martinson. Dave, San Diego Comic-Con came and went. We got some things to talk about from that. We also got some music to get to today. And we got Don't Worry, He Won't Get Far on Foot because 8th grade, not out by me. Only in what, like 33 theaters? Correct. It's second weekend, 33 theaters. Still slow rollout. Give us a preview. When, when we talk about this, presumably next week, are you going to be pro 8th grade or anti 8th grade? I'm pro 8th grade. Seems to be in line. Not my favorite movie of the year, okay. but I'm pro 8th grade. It's good. It's very good. Interesting. A okay. lot, lot to like. I've heard really good things from pretty much everybody that's seen it, so I'm excited to see it. Anything come up for you this week? I know that you did a podcast with your friend Andy. Anything else going on for you? A lot of news at a Comic-Con, a lot of various developments, both expected and unexpected. Big Twitter controversy leading to a firing of a Marvel director, which we'll get to. Yeah. So uh, Chance the Rapper dropped four songs right after we recorded uh, last yeah. week. Chance the Rapper bought a publication, and he has a contentious relationship with the media recently. So mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of stuff happened last week. Unexpectedly busy week. Since we do have a lot to talk about with Comic Con and not a lot of time to get through it, why don't we do a quick segment of in or out, which we haven't done in quite a while? Why don't we start with the trailer? So I want to get this one out of the way because I don't want to talk about this one too much. Teen Titans. I mean, this trailer was something else. Are you in or out on Teen Titans? Titans. I'm out on Titans. Titans. Uh, fuck, fuck Batman. Obviously. <laughs> fuck Batman. It's on the DC Universe streaming service, probably their flagship thing in terms of new new uh, content for the foreseeable future. But you know, you just watch the trailer, and apart from the you know the fuck Batman headline, apart from that, you have Starfire, you have Beast Boy. That, that, that's a lot of a lot of tough characters to have on a TV budget. And it looks like a TV budget, like it looks like a step up from the CW DC shows, but doesn't even look like it's up to the Marvel Netflix standard. Yeah. So I just don't think the production value will meet the ambition and. I don't care that Dick Grayson's really edgy and he's really more like Jason Todd. And that's not the real Dick Grayson. Whatever. Yeah, I don't care about that. Do do what you want. It doesn't look like it, it's going to be up to snuff. Unfortunately, I'd love to be wrong, of course, but yeah, not not enthusiastic from that trailer. Not at all. Basically, the only the only thing I'm even remotely excited for is, is for the next trailer when he's just degrading Batman more. So I'm looking forward to all the the Batman degradation and then the memes that will come with it. Clone Wars. In or out? Fuck yeah. So fucking in, dog. <laughs> Hashtag Clone Wars save. This was this was the unexpected thing I was alluding yep. to. 12 new episodes that'll be released on the Disney streaming service coming sometime next year. Dave Filoni back. Just wrapped up Star Wars Rebels in the spring. The thing that's so exciting about this is Clone Wars kind of ended abruptly because it was well underway at the time when Disney acquired Lucasfilm, acquired Star Wars, and it wrapped up with a, a short Lost Missions season six on netflix but they had a, a storyline they made into a, a novel dark disciple and they had a lot of unfinished threads the show didn't really have a proper ending and then they just went off and made rebels and clone wars is still a canon show it still counts but disney kind of you know cut it off prematurely so now that they're bringing it back despite the fact that they already greenlit star wars resistance the next dave filoni show which will be like leading up to force awakens mm-hmm. uh, really exciting because clone wars there's a lot of cool stuff in there and that cameo at the end of solo that a lot of people were surprised about yeah. Uh, was actually really built up in Clone Wars. Yeah, really exciting for the, for the fans, for sure. I just never thought they would ever go back to this well. Very in. Yeah, I'm in on it for, for two reasons. One, because it seems just like a great property. I've never really watched it, but I think 
telling these stories especially because they're referenced so much in the prequels is is good you know keep fleshing those out and it seems like they have interesting things to be talking about but also because i think this means that they're not going to be pulling from that well for whatever future movies they're doing from they're probably gonna leave this to the tv show and they're gonna be exploring new worlds which i think is just great so it's just more that disney and and star wars movie in, in the right direction all right fantastic beasts two you got newt scamander back young newt scamander you see in the very beginning you see young dumbledore throughout this and and johnny depp i mean we're gonna be talking about someone that got fired from a disney property probably someone else that should be recast based on some of the issues he's going through what'd you think of this trailer i'm in on this because i thought this trailer was way better than the first yeah i I agree i'm still in on it obviously the reservations about johnny depp as grindelwald are well founded just because of his unreliability and He's a total enigma now. It has nothing to do with the role itself. It's just that the way he's been on screen the past, you know, five years and uh, Pirates of the Caribbean, Dead Men Tell No Tales from last year did not do anything to change that, in my opinion. But yeah, I thought that the trailer was a lot more exciting and we saw a lot more of the Fantastic Beasts. I wasn't really sure how much of that, how much of the titular name would be like in, in the movie. But yeah, I'm just excited to see it and it looks like Jude Law's Dumbledore will be in there a fair amount, so yeah, really excited about that. It's it's going to be fun, and I'm really looking forward to just the future of this five part series, just because it's going to get farther and farther away from what we know beyond the the broad strokes that Harry Potter explains. So overall, really in, and I I think it'll be better than the first one. The first one was solid, could have been better though. I think this this is has good potential. Yeah, I agree with all that, and also just the fact that it's like it looks like a thriller, which I think is going to be really cool. And uh, shout out Nicholas Flamel. At the end. Yes. Uh, I thought that That's was awesome. That's cool. Very, Very cool. excited. Uh, Shazam! Uh, movie coming out for, for DC. Uh, Zach Levy. Levi. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure which one, which way to say it. It's uh, Levy. 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 Okay. It's neither one. Uh, what What do you think <laughs> about this? I mean, it, there were some, some photos of him in this suit last week that were getting clowned on the internet. Then this drops. Uh, it looked okay. I, I'm actually on the fence. So I'm, I'm wondering where you lie. I'm actually in on this. I like this one more than Aquaman. I think uh, it has a lighter tone, something that DC largely hasn't hasn't had recently. <laughs> and uh, it looks like Zachary Levy was well cast as uh, the uh, you know adult form of Billy Batson. So it just seems like it, it, this is going to be a fun film. I I, I think the, I, I'm not. I don't want to say this is like DC's Ant Man, but it's similar. I guess you know. Mm-hmm. And this this is something that it'll be you know standing alone uh by you know almost certainly and they need another standalone critical hit beyond yeah. wonder woman and i think this can be it so yeah i'm, I'm in on shazam i'm uh i'm uh, looking forward to it for sure that comes out i think april of next year i i need to see the second trailer for this i can't decide because there's things in it i really like the tone of it seems good although i think some of the jokes seem super lame like like the uh the flossing it was sure. just like eh. I don't know about that, but I, I like I like the concept. I like the idea of it being one superhero that not a lot of people know, so they can really do a lot with it. But also, it looks like they're going to try to inject a lot of humor. Which, if we're talking about how serious DC is all the time, and then they're doing something different, you got to give them some credit for that. So mm-hmm. I'm uh, I'm going to hold out on, on my inner out for for the moment. Something I'm I'm actually really in on though is Aquaman. I mean that that trailer. Uh, Momoa seems like he's going to be a great Aquaman. I mean we saw him in justice league uh and i thought he was really good in that as well although some of the the underwater scenes were a little little strange um Mm -hmm. or or not perfected where are you sitting with aquaman after seeing the trailer so that's another one where i'm uh 
I could I could go either way with Aquaman. I okay. could see it being great. I could see it being uh, not too good. And you watch that trailer. There's a lot going on in a good or potentially a bad way. There's a lot of characters, a lot of good talent in there. Uh, visually, it looks pretty good, I think. There is a lot of CGI. There's a lot of green screens, and you can kind of see that. Um, it's funny. We're going to get like that CGI, like, you know, horde battle at the end except it's on like the ocean floor you know um but black manta looks uh intimidating and moa we assume will be uh you know really charming really funny really uh captivating so i'm uh looking forward to it it comes out this december but i'm not convinced it'll be great yet but i hope so obviously and lastly godzilla uh starring brian cranston millie bobby brown uh tom middleditch wait Wait, cranston's back Oh, wait, no, no, sorry, that was he, the first didn't he, one. I'm didn't sorry. he die? Yeah, he, he died in the first <laughs> one, sorry. Yeah, Cranston's not back. No, it's Millie Bobby Brown, Tom Middleditch, who else is in this one? Kyle Chandler, yeah, Ken Kyle Watanabe's Chandler. back, yep. um, a few other people. It's good. It's a pretty solid cast. Uh, Vera Farmiga, right. uh, all the way in. That okay. trailer fucking, fucking rules. Uh, you got <laughs> all, like, fucking everything. Mothra, Ghidorah, Rodan, and, of course, Godzilla's back. And that's his coming off of, I thought the first one was like really exceptional. Uh, 2014, Gareth Edwards. Uh, that's, you know, his pre prelude to Rogue One. And just the, the sheer like scale and darkness of the film I thought was awesome. Like, and there was that shot like when Aaron Taylor Johnson's like soldier dude like does that, like that halo jump from that, the helicopter when it's all dark and stormy and there's that like eerie music. I thought, I mean, that, that's, that, that shot's great. It's in the trailer. And, this one now it just seems like you're just doubling down on the fucking, the fucking terror. So I'm uh, really stoked for it because I think it's gonna do what it's setting out to do. It's gonna be a fucking badass monster movie with incredible CGI. I mean, this movie will be coming out next year, and it'll have fucking been in post production for like a year and like eight months. They're putting so much time in special effects for this, and it, you can see it already in the trailers. So yeah, I'm really stoked for it. Yeah, I think the CGI looks really good. Um... I'm I'm optimistic about this movie. I don't really even love monster movies, so uh, I'm I'm in, especially because they used uh, Claire de Lune, which I think is also like a cheat code. Mm-hmm. Like most trailers that use that and can use it effectively, just creates a, a great effect to it. So, uh, but yeah, I'm in. I think everybody after seeing the trailers this weekend was like, Godzilla is the movie we're we're most excited for. Uh, so a lot of good stuff. Definitely read up on Comic Con. Um, there wasn't, I don't think, as much big news, but definitely some some gems and some stuff to be tracking in there. Yeah, I was surprised we didn't get more DC slate stuff. You know, mm-hmm. like Shazam and Aquaman were obvious, but like we didn't get an official acknowledgement of the Birds of Prey hiring. We didn't really get much about um, the Joker with mm-hmm. Joaquin Phoenix. We know it's going into production later this year. Like it's happening. They still didn't talk about it, you know. I kind of wanted to wanted to hear more from them, but um, there's always next year, I guess. But yeah, overall, overall, a lot of cool stuff came out of it. Why don't we talk about James Gunn real quick here? You know, I don't really want to get into like the right or wrong side of this, but I mean, he was fired off Guardians after some tweets from I believe it was 2011 or around that time. 08 to up. 12, I think, is the range. 08 to 2012. Yeah, were dug up, and a lot of them were really lewd jokes relating to like child molestation, things like that. Just really inappropriate stuff that i think some of it had been deleted some of it not uh some of it had been like taken off a website that keep keeps like all 
of like the Twitter or all the tweets mm-hmm. ever made or something like that. I mean, there's a lot, a lot of sides to this, but the main stuff for what we care about is he was fired off Guardians three. Obviously, he directed the first two. He wrote the first two as well. Wrote the first two. I think he actually wrote this one or at least handed it in an early yeah. rough draft. How do you feel about him getting fired? I mean, obviously, we don't need to go into the right or wrong, but where do you think? How do you think this is going to affect? guardians moving forward and, and who would you want to see take over it's a great question when i saw the controversy i was like oh yeah he's probably getting can- canned and i don't have a problem with them firing him he's helming a fucking kids movie yeah after all i i am a little rubbed off the wrong way that it came from mike cernovich of all people someone yeah. so hypocritical so heinous like him but it's not a clean comparison to the roseanne firing you know because it's stuff that happened before he was hired and then you also see people bringing up oh Johnny Depp, you brought him back for another Pirates movie after the shit with Amber Heard came out. So where is the line? Disney's inconsistency with with this kind of stuff is a little bothersome, but I do think they were pretty right to do that if they wanted to. And that's another thing that annoys me is like there's a lot of like pent up like justice for James Gunn. You only care about this really badly because you love Guardians, but the other stuff you don't. You're not as vocal about. You know, it's a lot of people being inconsistent, but. You know, it remains he's not going to be with Guardians at all. I figure they'll probably keep that script around to a certain extent. He really was the, kind of the heart and soul of what made Guardians work, and that'll never go away. And it does seem like the cast is all really supportive of him. But if anyone was to, to replace him, it's obviously someone will. It was slated to go in production later this year. We'll see if that holds But for 2020 release date. But I like Taika Waititi to do it, yep. the director of Thor Ragnarok. If you're going to do it, go with someone in-house, someone you, you can count on. I think we go with him because it doesn't seem like a Thor movie's coming t- anytime soon. At least not for probably two years, three years. We even really hear about it, so he would have the time if he wanted to. His name's been thrown around with other big name non Marvel projects, so I doubt he's gonna. He's an easy one to lock down again. But yeah, he would be my top choice for sure. What about you? Yeah, Tycho was was my my first thought too. I would also. I know that there was some, some issues with Edgar Wright. Uh, he was gonna direct Ant Man. Then there was some issues in production i would if they could smooth things out i feel like he would be a great replacement as well i think he brings a a good atmosphere but i doubt that would happen yeah you you'd feel like he wouldn't be as apt to like take the call anymore but right from everything we know marvel has worked with directors way better the past since like 2016 so it's like all those old marvel critiques aren't as accurate as they once were so you know, perhaps Edgar Wright would have a better time making it, but he probably still wouldn't get the total creative control he'd he'd want to sign right. on. So probably not the most realistic pick. Yeah, but if I'm remembering too with that that whole thing, a lot of it was around like getting licensing for for songs with the movie. And if that's the case with the Guardians, I mean, they always ball out on the music budget. I mean, they always have mm-hmm. really well known songs in there. So I wonder if if that might smooth it over. But yeah, I think Tycho seems like the right fit. And also, obviously, if uh, I think you mentioned the the Russo brothers. Um, would be somebody they've worked with them they kind of know the tone um of that they can bring to a movie and, and how to use them in a movie so well i don't yeah. think you can pick them because they're doing post-production on avengers 4 right now so they probably don't have the time you know right and that's the thing if this is gonna push back any kind of timeline or anything i wouldn't i wouldn't be surprised if they like maybe move something like one movie up and then push this back just to make sure that they're doing it right because guardian seems mm-hmm. like one of their their major properties right. moving forward but and it right now it was the guardians 3 was the only 2020 movie i don't even right. think it has a hard had a hard date but because next year captain marvel avengers 4 and spider-man far from home and after that we just had guardians 3 sometime in 2020 i believe so you know they're, they're not beholden to keeping that so yeah it's uh 
it'll be interesting to see. I mean, do you think there's any chance they rehire him, given a lot of the, I guess, uh, up in arms about the firing? And it's not it's not just angry nerds. There is some intellectual uh, points being made about it. I mean, do you think there's any chance that they'd bring him back? I feel like at this point they're committed to it. Yeah, it, Disney is very careful with their branding. I, I don't think they want to lean one way or the other on, on these sort of issues. Um, so I, I think since they've made this decision, they're going to stick with it and they'll move forward with a replacement. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't think there's any chance of it. Um, it, it as we're, we're kind of transitioning here, um, just at last thoughts. I mean, there's a lot of superhero movies. You know, we talked about trailers. We, we talked about them a lot today. Um, mm-hmm. What we have one more left this year, which is DC. Aquaman December, yep. Aquaman December. So, I mean, you're thinking about the next two years and thinking about this idea of superhero fatigue. What what superhero movies are you most excited for other than Avengers? Like, if you put that out, I mean, like, what are you mm. really looking forward to? I'm not looking forward to Shazam. Aquaman I'm barely looking forward to. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I guess Black Panther 2 has to be coming down the road somewhere. Spider-Man? Uh, Spider-Man will get next summer. That's, mm-hmm. you know you know that's happening um it's already being made so i'm looking forward to that for sure that that movie fucking ruled they got jake gyllenhaal as mysterio you know yeah. that, that sounds that's awesome gonna be, it's gonna be awesome um I'm trying to get guys i mean i'd love x-men dark phoenix to be good but you know fox has a uneven track record that was pushed back yeah. so is new mutants we'll get both of those next year um dc next year is just shazam and wonder woman 2 uh the flash i i'm hopeful for just because they got a uh, Jonathan Goldstein and John Francis Daly to uh, helm that movie and obviously they wrote Spider-Man Homecoming so uh, you know obviously they wrote a lot of stuff they're a pretty talented uh, group duo so that could be good but again the failure to launch a lot of the DC movies is always you know a little disconcerting but they seem to be writing the ship slowly um, there's only so many other Marvel movies Captain Marvel I think could be cool just because they're yeah. bringing back some of those Guardians characters like Ronan I'm just I just want to see what they do with that, you know, as like a yeah. period piece movie. Um, but yeah, after that, I mean, there's only so many movies even on the calendar. So, yeah, yeah. it's just interesting because I feel like for so long it's been like this one, this one, this and that looking forward. It's kind of like, huh, maybe it's a little bit more sparse or maybe uh, well, it will fletch itself out for sure. Well, well, that's the thing. Marvel still has three movies a year through 2022 or whatever, but we just don't know what they are yet. They're right. keeping that part close, but they still have all the dates claimed. So, yeah, probably right after Avengers, maybe that the Comic-Con after Avengers next uh, year from now, we'll probably get that next slate, you know, you'd think, or maybe they'll do it at D23, who knows. So, uh, and then this time where it's kind of in a holding pattern, you know, till, yeah. till Avengers comes out, which is fine. I don't, I'm, I'm not worried about it. Yeah, I, I'm cool with a little bit of a superhero break for sure. 88 Rising. Let, let's jump into some music here. <laughs> so this is a a, a media collective, what, a musical group that it's a, like it's, it's an indie label, really. Right. And basically, what their their main focus is to assign and and produce and promote musicians or Asian descent is is my understanding. Yeah, the, they're not all Asian on the label, but yeah, I mean, Rich Brian, obviously the most famous, as well as Higher Brothers, Keith Ape, Joji, you know, yeah, so 
uh, Asian artists is their focus for sure. And th- this is the first album as a collective, right? which wasn't even really on my radar until it popped up. And I, I didn't hate this album. I actually will say it was enjoyable at parts. I, th- I thought it was a little uneven, but it was kind of mm-hmm. obvious that this is this is a collective album, that there's a lot of people yeah. making different mm-hmm. sounds. And it's almost kind of like a compilation album in a way of just yep. like songs of a year. Uh, what was your initial reaction listening to it? And then why don't you pick out a couple of the songs that stood out to you? What stood out to me most was how like Rich Brian is very like, on the periphery for most of the album. Like he has that solo song on there and he's got a few, you know, he's on a few group songs, but overall he's not like yep. dominating the record, mm-hmm. uh, which I think is smart. You know, that, that's like when Cruel Summer came out, Kanye was in a lot, but he was far from like the dominating force on the, on the record. You know? And the, my biggest winners were Higher Brothers and Joji personally which are probably the two most famous acts after Rich Brian on the group. But just because I thought Higher Brothers, you know, they, they showcased a lot on this. They, they have, I think, two EPs, one of which was in Chinese. And they've kind of given us little tastes. And they're really funny. They have some really cool videos already. When I listened to this, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm in on Higher Brothers now. And Joji, just like a singer, like you said, you spoke to the unevenness of it. He's, Joji's very unique and different than really everyone else. Yeah. So, like, naturally it's going to feel like a compilation more than anything. But I thought Joji had some great moments like Peach Jam. So yeah, Peach Jam yeah I, I was pleasantly surprised for sure. One of the things I actually noticed on this was uh, like a lot of borrowing of sounds. I, I guess I'll mm-hmm. even put that in air quotes. Like um, the beginning of, let, let me see, I wrote it down here. Um, yeah, the beginning of uh, Plans is literally the beginning of Dance Yourself Clean by LCD Sound System. The drumming throughout is the exact same. I was like, huh. Mm-hmm. This, it caught my ear because I was like, is this about to be like a, a, a sample of it? But they actually, I think, just ripped it. Hmm, interesting. I'm sure it's credited on the liner yeah, notes. It, it, I, I didn't check it out. The other one, uh, Midsummer, uh, Midsummer Madness. Mm-hmm. The <laughs> At one point, like the groove into the chorus sounds just like a thousand years by like Vanessa Carlson. And I was like, I was laughing because <laughs> I literally started singing a thousand years in my head listening to it. But I, I, I liked both of <laughs> right. those songs. Right. I thought they were great. Um, a, a song I absolutely hated on this, though, was Warping. Man, that was this, that is like one of my least favorite songs of the year, I think. Um, yeah, not, Nikki not, is yeah, not one of my Nikki. favorites on the artist <laughs> on the on the label. So yeah, I agree. Wasn't a fan of that one. Um, yeah, but I think the other one that stood out was uh, Loverboy '88. I really liked. Yeah, I think Loverboy '88 and then Nothing Wrong really mm-hmm. show you how like I, I don't know talented, versatile Higher Brothers could be because like yeah, those are fucking crossover hit crossover songs already, and like mm-hmm. they came up as guy as, as this rap trio that kind of does like a you know mimicry of of, of American trap and. Mm-hmm. Now they're making crossover hits like nothing wrong, like they got they got a sung chorus on that. I think that song fucking bangs, <laughs> and I did not expect them to already go outside their comfort zone this fast. Mm-hmm. So that was my b- big takeaway. Yeah, d- I mean there were definitely some really great moments on the album, and I think there's a lot here to like. Um, I recommend it to anybody that's into pop, into rap. I think you can find something for everybody here, and find some new artists to be really be diving into. Um, so definitely check that out. Any any last thoughts on 88 Rising? Shout out Goldlink, featured on yeah. Nothing Wrong. He's on a great feature run post-crew. Good for him. <laughs> uh, why don't we jump into an album I've been waiting to talk about and listening to <laughs> quite a bit. Snail Mail's Lush, the, the first full-length album from 
Lindsay Jordan and her band dropped the Habit EP two years ago. Mm-hmm. I mentioned the song Thinning off that, which I really liked. I, I think everybody knows at this point that I, I really like this album. It's probably one of my biggest surprises of the year. I'm wondering, Dave, as somebody that's not huge into indie rock especially, where did you fall with this album? I'm expecting not good. So <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Much like her Matador Records label mates, Julian Baker and Car Seat Headrest, mm. I'm not a big fan of Snail Mail's vocals. Mm. Subdued, conservative vocals like that that are really reserved, I just can't get into. I don't care how good the songwriting is, I just don't enjoy it that much. Mm-hmm. And that was really my takeaway with Lush. I also listened to the Habit EP as well, and I think Lush is better, for sure. Definitely. And I like the Heat Wave, which I think is like probably the one of the bigger songs off Lush. I think it has a music video already. And I'm listening to it, I'm like, yeah, I get it, but I, these vocals just don't do it for me. You know, it's impressive how she writes about, I guess, like heartache and stuff in kind of a mundane, not like extra way. But at the end of the day, I, I don't, I, I don't like enjoy like jamming out to it. Yeah, but I, I see the hype. Yeah, I think one of the things I, I really like about her, and you can hear a lot from um, Habit to this album, uh, Lush, is she's really like coming into her own. She's only 18 years old. She dropped Habit when she was 16, and Habit even sounds lo-fi in a lot of ways. She her voice kind of fades into the music, and it's almost like it's just a, a, a yeah. part of it kind of like a beach house sound in, in a lot of ways oh and, god <laughs> and uh, she really it, it really sticks out more here the production's way better on this and she has moments vocally that i thought yeah. were really great it, it's not great throughout i think it, like you said it, that's a fair critique her guitar work though is probably the thing that stands out most to me she's been like classically trained since she was like five years old so Mm -hmm. i think you can see her as her and mitski i kind of really see in like the same class going forward as like the next like saint vincent uh interesting like 10 year age difference there definitely so uh (laughs) but the both mitski the sound reminds me more of saint vincent but uh lindsey jordan definitely has like more the the guitar chops with it um you already mentioned heat wave pristine also uh a song off this i think is really great it's funny also as you talk about like like the sadder like the the kind of mellow lyr- uh, vocals to it. It reminds me a lot of Dashboard Confessional. I got a real Dashboard Confessional vibe to this, which if you like early Dashboard, like you'll like this. If you aren't a big fan of uh, being saddened in your feelings in that way, maybe you're not going to enjoy it as much. So uh, I, I say check it out. We put one of the songs on the playlist, which uh, go to our Spotify playlist, Nostalgia Best of 20. 18 uh we mm-hmm. got another follower so shout out to, to you up to 70 something tracks already we're uh a lot of music coming out all genres are on there so yeah follow that playlist a lot of good stuff there and speaking of all genres we touched on uh i mean 88 rising's a, a mix a mixed bag for sure snail mail's indie now we're going to talk about some r&b funk yeah. jazz mm-hmm. even with the internet's hive mind this is their yeah. fourth fourth album. First one since 2015, follow-up to Ego Death, which was Grammy-nominated, got mm-hmm. a ton of buzz. Probably their most famous song, Girls, on that album. They've been around since, what, 2011? This is Sid and Matt Martians from Odd right. Future. Yeah, I mean, they, they originally founded the group when they were still part of Odd Future. So yeah, Purple Naked Ladies came out in 2011, and then Feel Good 2013, and those two records are both pre-Steve Lacey. He's got a lot of attention lately, but he wasn't a founding member. His role in the group 
I think really stands out. And, you know, leading up to this album, I mean, last year, Matt, Sid, and Steve all released solo projects, which were all pretty solid. I thought Sid's Finn was good, could have been a little better in my opinion, but Steve Lacey's demo, which was really short, obviously, hence the name, I thought really showed what he can do. And then he had that f- f- uh, feature earlier this year on Kaliukas' record, Isolation, yep. Just a Stranger. So I think he's definitely another talent to watch, like Sid and Matt. I think Hive Mind is my favorite record from the internet. I haven't been a big fan of their stuff. Like, I've got it, you know, but it's like I always thought it was kind of like half-baked, all the R&B spacey shit they would do. So I was really pleased with this because I think this was a much more cohesive listen. And that's despite the fact that the last record was already Grammy-nominated, so you got to figure this one will get some attention again. But, yeah, what do you think of it? Yeah, I thought it was great. I, I thought this one was less less spacey, a little bit more tight than their their mm-hmm. former work. I think was... Steve's increased influence is starting to show. Yeah, I would agree with that. And actually, I think it's funny because obviously Sid, Matt, and Steve get uh, most of the the credit. But I think yeah. the parts There's two that other I, dudes. Yeah, <laughs> the the parts that I enjoyed most actually is probably Patrick Page, Page's bass work throughout it, mm-hmm. like especially on Roll, uh, which I thought was just yeah phenomenal, and you really just like. Uh, I love that groove on it. Um, There's a lot to like here, but I didn't, I mean, this is an album that you like light a blunt to and like sit on your couch. Like it's not an album you're going to put on. It's vibe music. It's mood music. Exactly. Um, And like you said, it's, it's airy and spacey and it has a lot of different influences on it. But the other thing about this uh, ego death had, had some features. Kay Trinata was Mm -hmm. on a track. They had Janelle Monae. This had no features. This is really just the band and, They each have their moments, um, but overall, I thought this was a good album, not a great one, but I think it will also you know, probably get some Grammy nomination and some attention at the award season. Yeah, I think when the internet falters, it's kind of like my critique of Snail Mill. I think sometimes Sid vocally is just not that impressive, and when it's too sleepy, it, I just think mm-hmm. it takes away from the good production. The production's almost always great, you know, but yeah. sometimes the vocals leave a little to be desired. And I think when Steve, you know, whether he's singing a hook or he's really commanding the song i think it's a nice respite nice change of pace once in a while and of course it also has great moments on this like i think come over the second single that's my probably my favorite song already has the video yeah not perfect again but i think that's kind of they they like to try different things on all their albums and that's no different on hive mind yeah definitely i mean i'm just glad to have them back they're just a great band to have and i'm sure we'll we'll be hearing their tracks and tv shows and stuff to come like i would almost guarantee insecure is gonna drop a, oh good call yeah a moment where the internet's on there yeah we already put come over onto the playlist just want to give a shout out the my, my two other favorite songs or my favorite song other than roll gets better i thought was really or it gets better i thought was a really good one um so definitely give the this album a listen if you get the chance Lottie da is pretty good too the third single yeah. yeah third single also a good one again if you want to check this out go to our spotify playlist we got everything you want to listen to on there something I'm kind of wondering how we should do this moving forward because I do think there should be a place where we can like be ranking our movies and people who are fans of the pod can see our rankings and be following along. I think we need a blog, dog. You already got one, right? It's true. We can just rename it. There you go. (laughs) Don't worry. He won't get far on foot. I have a feeling Mm -hmm. this isn't going to be at the top of either one of our lists, but it was a pretty good movie. You know, a Gus Gus Van Sant joint. Uh, I I like calling things joint now that uh, Spike Lee is calling his movie a joint. So. Spike Lee joint. Yeah. When he did the story for NBA 2K, I want to say 2014 <laughs> or something, they called it a Spike Lee joint. It's pretty funny. Yeah, I'm down with that. 77% Rotten Tomatoes. I think it only made like close to what, 400K 
there's a small box office for it. And it's yeah, small again. theaters. Yeah, it's, it's the indie box office scene. It's a cheap movie, it's a small expedition. Yeah, and it's, it's Amazon Studios, so I mean, they're. It'll be on Prime later in the year. <laughs> exactly. So if you don't want to go out to the movies and see it, you can watch it with your Prime subscription soon. Joaquin Phoenix plays John Calloway in this, also surrounded Callahan. by Jonah Hill. Callahan, sorry. Jonah Hill, Rooney Mara, Jack Black, Carrie Brownstein, which. I w- it was really funny to see Carrie Brownstein in this movie because it takes place in Oregon, which and the last thing I knew her from was Portlandia. So I was just like, oh, of course, oh. of course you're going to be on this. Show. Like, <laughs> makes a lot of sense. Um, yeah, I mean, we're probably going to get a spoiler. So if you don't want this movie to be spoiled for you for some reason, come back. Yeah, it's a biopic of sorts. It's not um, it's it's a nonfiction, well, you know, fictional portrayal of a real person. It's literally based off of John Callahan's. Uh, <laughs> The organ cartoonist. So. Before we go into spoilers, I think we both think it's good. Not a, not fantastic, not amazing, but it's worth a watch. Good performances. And come back after. So jumping into spoilers, I mean, Joaquin Phoenix is on a goddamn heater of performances, I gotta say. Like, I, I was just looking through like the movies he's done. The Master, Inherent Vice, Her, The Immigrant, Two Lovers, We Own the Night, You Were Never Really Here. I mean, maybe there's like one or two like list listful or list list performances i could say but overall just like every time he takes a a movie i feel like he i come away being like god damn that guy can act uh Mm what did you think of his performance in this yeah well it's nice to see him back with gus van zandt he gave uh joaquin his break back in what the the 80s late 80s and gus van zandt is really interesting because if you look at his career he's a guy who's got up and down an up and down filmography i mean he has milk in 08 which was probably the uh one of his most well it's funny because he has milk and goodwill hunting which are the only two movies he's made that have grossed over 50 million dollars but goodwill hunting he doesn't get a lot of credit for (laughs) everyone gives credit to how plain he directed it and he let the screenplay from affleck and damon do all the all the heavy lifting you know mm-hmm. so his best movie is probably what drugstore drugstore uh, cowboy i guess yep. but a lot these are a lot of small movies he gets the fact that he's a bigger name so but yeah it's cool to see him back with joaquin and yeah i thought um joaquin was really good and he kind of gave like a multi-layered performance as callahan does his ups mm-hmm. and downs uh throughout his life and that was that was nice to see you know, it's, it's different than, it's not as intense as you were never really here. I think that's overall a better performance is because yeah. it requires more out of Joaquin, mm-hmm. whether it's uh, physical acting, you know, or just conveying emotion at the end. But this movie, I, I think it's a, it's a, you know, it's a convincing uh, portrayal. He's probably not the only one who could have pulled this off, though. It's not like that level of Joaquin role, but mm-hmm. yeah, he was good. Yeah, you know, it's, it's funny because I thought Van Sant was fine. Like, I think mm-hmm. there was some, like, confusing parts. And the, the timeline things almost yeah. kind of seem like... That's my just, main problem with the movie. Yeah, I, I didn't think it even made a lot of sense when you would jump in and out just of it. Meanders, it's it, uh-huh. it, it, it's longer than it needs to be. You know, yeah. it's... Like, in the middle, in the middle, I was like, am I liking this as much as I think I am? Like, <laughs> I wasn't quite sure it, was, it knew what it was trying to tell me, uh-huh. you know? And then I think it wraps up nicely. But, yeah, I, I think there were some pacing and structure issues yeah definitely and i also felt like they yada 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 some pretty important parts like pretty much all of his like making amends with people they're just like oh he's gonna go and then it's fine it was, like, it was a glorified montage yeah and like i would have liked to have seen some of those conversations or at least like parts of that sure. if possible i think um, the jack black jack black convo was good yeah i thought so too and that 
That I thought Jack Black was actually really great. He got to be very mm-hmm. Jack Blacky at, for the first part of his performance, and then he actually kicked yeah. in some of those acting chops near the end. When they're on the bender or having that night, <laughs> that that's great. Like there's that there's that shot where they're both on the roller coaster and they're both already tanked. And they're like yep. swaying. And I'm like, oh, that's great. That's a great yeah. shot. And it's a shot that's totally out of place in the film because everything else is so plain, you I know. know? It, but it, th- th- I love everything that they did with th- that moment. Yeah, when, when I was seeing that, it's funny because obviously it's going to be different stylistically, but I was like, ah, I can really see Joaquin as the Joker like doing this because <laughs> it calls back to Heath Ledger, obviously, the last one, but or second sure. to last one. Uh, I'm skipping over Jared Leto's most recent one. <laughs> of the course. Thing, I, you know, you mentioned how the internet and snail mail kind of can be can be sleepy at times i felt that way during parts of this movie and mm-hmm. the the line in the movie that i think describes the movie best is that he's talking with donnie and he like talks about how or he's in the group and he talks about how he like didn't feel wanted as a kid and how that made him basically like drink all of his problems away so he never had to feel anything and then he's like oh, i thought i was gonna feel so much better after i said this i don't feel it i don't really feel that anything and he's like <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of how this stuff works. Like, it's not those big moments. Like, you don't really feel it that way. And I was just like, that's how I feel about this movie. Like, it, it had potential to have those big moments, or I wanted to have those really big moments, and it never really had a big moment. It felt too right. just even keel. Yeah, he doesn't have, like, a come-to-Jesus moment. There's no mea culpa, really, right. you know? And, like, I, I like Jonah Hill a lot. I think it's a great great Jonah Hill performance. Again, a truly mm-hmm. underrated, dramatic actor. I'm really happy he continues to make these kind of choices. Mm-hmm. Um, at the end, when they when they finally break it to you that he's sick, and you assume it's 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 AIDS or HIV because you know he's gay, and at the time the movie takes place in the eighties, and like they don't you know they don't like, he does like the like you know, the, the the mouth and he kind of makes a joke of it, but they, he doesn't say oh uh, John I have AIDS you know he doesn't spell it out for for John or the audience. So I'm like oh right, cool I like that then you know made you figure it out on your own. And at the end, when he dies, John's like, oh, yeah, you know, he died of AIDS. And I was like, did you have to? It's a little thing. It doesn't really change anything. But for me, I was just like, come on, just let, let us know that already. You know, right. it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a smarter movie than that. Yeah. And I don't know. It's it's also another problem I have with it is you have Rooney Mara, right? She plays his girlfriend in this. And dog. The fuck is the point of her? Yeah, the exactly. Like, how do Talk you about failing the Bechdel test. I mean, even at the end, like they're they're going through the the comics, and he's like, "Which one do you think is funnier?" And her actual line is, "I don't know." That like sums up her character better than anything. I mean, like at least have her make a choice. Like, I mean, you have a great actress like Rooney Mara, who I mean, she's not only gorgeous, but she just is a fantastic act- actress. Yeah. And to like not give her anything to do, Oscar nominated, like, it's criminal, man. Criminal. Aren't they um, they're real life partners, right? Joaquin and Rooney. Oh, I did not I think, know that. I think that might factor into the uh, why she decided to do a glorified bit role because it's yeah. with her fucking boyfriend. I don't know. Yeah, yeah that I, that that's got to be the only reason I can think of. Like she's way above a role like that. Um, I mean, lo- looking through what were, uh, one thing I did think that stood out to me and added a lot of emotional half to the emotional moments was uh, Danny Elfman's uh, musical direction on this. Right. Really he got liked a lot it. of shit for his DC scores recently, but I think he did a good job with this. Yeah, I mean, he gives it a great tone at the, at the beginning. It's very like jazzy, and then he fills it out with some really nice, um, some or- orchestral pieces. And I think he also ha- put in some like '70s songs to kind of give it that atmosphere as mm-hmm. well throughout. So I, I thought that was really great. Other than that, I mean, 
Joaquin's great. Yeah, I think um, his whole struggle with alcoholism and his uh, struggle with becoming paralyzed, I think, is played well. You know, I'm watching the movie and I'm like, you know, we just had the whole thing with Scarlett Johansson dropping out of uh, that uh, transgender film because she's not a transgender person, right? Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, I was like, are we going to have that with handicapped people too? Should an able-bodied man be playing this? There's not a lot of these roles, and they're, and they're always going to the more famous able-bodied actor, you know? And yeah. I was like, yeah, it's kind of the same principle. So that did cross my mind. I think not everyone thinks that way, but I did think of that. But I thought overall he he it was pretty compelling, you know, when he's going to physical therapy and uh, when he <laughs> that funny moment when he gets the nurse to uh, <laughs> sit on his face. I thought that was awesome. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and to confirm, Rooney and Joaquin not only are they dating, but they're living together. And Rooney Mara is selling her house. So, wow, serious. <laughs> We're bringing you all the the latest uh, happenings in Hollywood couples. You know, you mentioned the the thing about like sitting on, on his face scene, though. There were some funny moments like that, like the uh, um, what was the line? There was something about like someone's cooch. Uh, I, I can't. Yeah. I, I didn't write it down. I haven't pulled overall up. his black comedy. You know, which eventually made him famous through his cartoons. I think overall mm. it, it played really well. Yeah, and the way that that they spliced that in around his accident too. Like how mm-hmm. they showed the cartoon of the guy like outside the car, I thought it was really great. Other than just showing it, um, would would you think good. of that that motif he kept having, where he's like, "Yeah, you know, I only know three things about my mother. She was Irish American, she had mm-hmm. red hair, and whatever. Oh, oh yeah, she and she she didn't want me for or something. Yeah. You know, that thing he did that what two or three times, like yeah, almost verbatim. At least, um." Yeah, I mean, it kind of became the way he understood his life, and it, that was such mm. a pivotal moment. I thought that scene was kind of hokey, even though it was obviously, like, something that he m- must have really happened to him, uh, you know, where right. he, like, feels the hand on his back and sees his, his mom or has the hallucination of his mom. But, uh, yeah, I think it was just to drive home the point, like, I only, uh, he knows so little about his past, and that's what kind of haunts him and pushes his struggle forward. Mm-hmm. Um, also, he... I really liked him whipping around in that motorized wheelchair. Yeah, like, that was awesome. <laughs> it's awesome. It was like must have been one of like the first ones to really be motorized like that. Cause... Sure, because you could see how big it was, you know. Yeah. Which is form factor, not mm-hmm. not a modern. That's for sure. And also funny when the kids are like, "Yo, yo, you wiped out, man!" <laughs> and I was like, "Oh fuck, are these kids gonna like mug him right now?" Oh no, right. they just they thought it was funny. Nice. Um, yeah, I think I thought um, all the sponsor scenes at Jonah Hill's home. Mm-hmm. Um, we're good. I thought. I mean, we didn't get much from those other people in the group, but I thought they all gave pretty good performances. The um, ah, Reba, that that one, yeah, the one woman, the not the the Valium wife, the other one. She was a. This is her first uh, film role. So wow. good for her because I thought she did a good job. You're talking about the the bigger woman, right? Yes. Yeah, I thought I thought she was fantastic. Um, like when you know she's laughing at him, saying like, "Oh, I'm." I'm paralyzed or whatever, and he's he, she starts laughing. He's like, "What are you laughing at?" And he he's like, "You can't know what it's like to to go through this." And she's like, "Well, actually, I have cancer of the heart." So yeah, boom, like, burn. Like, <laughs> uh, and also, yeah, also when that the guy freaks out about how women can't understand what it's like for men right. to, I was like, oh, go to war and stuff. Yeah, yeah. really powerful. Um, yeah, I mean, th- there's there's some things to really like about it. I think overall. It's a good movie to watch at home because there were times I just kind of wanted to like check my phone 
uh, and there you could have and not really missed much. So if you right. if you don't really have a connection to John Callahan as a person, I would say well, wait till this hits your Amazon Prime then check it out. Um, any last thoughts? Story, around- story story worth learning though. So yeah, I think it's it's worth the watch. But yeah, overall it was longer and not as well paced as it could have been. Any last thoughts? Uh, no, but you know, go see it at some point. What we got next week? Fill fill people ne- in, Dave. Yeah, next well, so Wednesday, I'm trying to gauge your your temperature on this. We have Castle Rock coming out, the probably the number two biggest show of the year for Hulu after Handmaids. It's a psychological horror show based off of Stephen King work, starring Andre Holland, who we obviously saw in a lot of things, but recently in Moonlight. Yeah. Uh, Bill Skarsgård's in there as well. So I'm um, not a big horror guy, but if this is more thrillery, you know, some like Shutter Island shit, might give it a look. We'll see how it goes. That's out Wednesday. And then uh, obviously Mission Impossible Fallout comes out this Friday. We'll be talking about that. That uh, reviews are fucking on fire for that film. 96%. Getting compared to, getting compared, getting compared to Mad Max. Yeah, I got to see Henry Cavill reload his arms. Um, stoked for that. <laughs> and then my man uh, Denzel Curry releasing his either his debut album or his third mixtape. I think it's his debut album, Taboo. Clout Cobain single and video are fucking awesome. Mm-hmm. I've been a big Curry fan for a while, so uh, Denzel Curry, of course, not fuck Steph. Uh, so <laughs> excited for that record. And uh, yeah, so uh, that's I think that's the main things we got. Chain Smokers, not an album. So I first thought they have a single coming out Friday, but. Who fucking cares, right? Yeah, exactly. Who the fuck cares? Um, yeah, I haven't cared about any of those EDM songs coming out this summer. I haven't really heard any of that have like taken over the zeitgeist either. So maybe it's move away. From it's that. so EDM's so hum, uh, homogenous now. Yeah, like Marshmallow is is nothing. He's his sound is, is 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 there's nothing to it. You know, it's <laughs> and he's so famous. So it's like, all right, if that's what the, if that's what people like, fine, but. They can't fucking pick it out of a lineup, you know. It's it's uh, it's it's weird seeing how the dubstep and then like the bro step uh, thing curve bell curve, and then we've got this weird amalgamation of like new house. It's it's EDM's weird right now. Yeah, it feels like EDM and like also comedy movies. I was I was talking with Sean McKenna, and The Ringer's been talking a lot about this with Step Brothers coming out, but like. Comedy movies just in general, I feel like, are kind of at a lull. There's no, like, huge comedy stars other than maybe, like, Kevin Hart right now. And Tiffany Haddish is that movie in that direction. Right. And that, Yeah, because, like, you look back at, like, the late 2000s and, like, a lot of them are Apatow films. But there's, like, these, like, seminal studio comedies that people love to revisit. Like, The Step Brothers, A Superbad, A 40-Year-Old Virgin, A Pineapple Express, right? Mm-hmm. And now it's, like, you get these studio comedies. A lot of them are quite good. I thought Game Night actually is exceptional and i thought blockers had a great message and was really great too but the, the biggest thing with studio comedies now is that they made their money back you know remember um rough night last year bombed uh, the house with will ferrell and amy poehler bombed it's not like these movies don't have good talent it's just i don't know it's studio comedies are one of the sufferers of people not going to the movies as much you know yeah, i think this year's actually not that bad with game night and blockers and to lesser extent you have tag and uncle drew as well so but again, it's a it's a lowered lowered bar. Yeah, it's just crazy to think about how there was like the Seth Rogen, James Franco crew, the Vince yep. Vaughn, Owen Wilson, Will Ferrell, yeah. and whoever he was doing movies with, and also like Tina Fey uh, coming up with like Amy Poehler and all that, like all at the same Kristen time. Kristen Wiig, like, yeah. yeah, 
from like 2000 to like 20 like 12 13 14 yeah like what's like the last great comedy uh, bridesmaids I, is 2011 is that can't be the the most recent one but is it i ride harder you know? for jumanji dude like i really sure. like jumanji mm-hmm. but i don't know if it would be considered like in that pantheon but like i don't think it would be same thing with like train wreck yeah like from amy schumer you know yeah, yeah comedies and that's the thing because right now we're in a stand-up comedy boom mm-hmm. boom you know so it's not a comedy itself but just comedy films interesting yeah. I think I think the political climate has a lot to do with that. Hard to be ridiculous or, or, or make jokes about things when people are. It's very touchy right now. And a lot of and, and right, and a, a lot like like a lot of the late night guys are having their best runs. Probably just about all of them, except for Fallon and Corden. Yep. So it's a uh, comedy just in a, in a weird space right now. It's, it's interesting sure. to watch. Definitely. So we got some stuff to talk about next week. If you want to hit us up at Nostalgia Pod on Twitter. Click on SoundCloud, uh, SoundCloud.com slash NostalgiaPod and click somewhere below to subscribe mm-hmm. on YouTube. Dave, will you be releasing any sports podcasts this week? I don't have any planned, so yeah. I, I know I have a schedule for that. I never said we'd had one, so we just got two two good ones in the can right away. Make sure everyone sees 8th grade. I forgot to mention that again because they'll be out in more theaters. See 8th grade this week because we'll be talking about it. Uh, maybe you'll do a, an MLB trade, yeah, trade <laughs> podcast or something like that. Maybe. <laughs> who cares about baseball right anyways we'll be talking to you all next week peace out and-